Joining us right now to talk a little bit about that last story about it, as well as how things are going with the auditor's office, is the state auditor of the state of Minnesota, Julie Blaha, is kind enough to take some time to talk about things. Hi, Julie. How are you? Great. Great to talk to you, Matt. Good to talk to you as well. Um, we, you know, obviously one of the things I mentioned in the story is that your statewide race was the closest of all of them. It was 8,435 votes. You beat Ryan Wilson, though, to to win a second term there. I got to believe that this story from the reformers got to make you think that one, maybe one of the reasons why this was so close was there clearly was seemed to be some efforts by some of the Republicans to, it, you know, clearly run this third party candidate against you. Well, you know, we look at what we kind of went through in that race. You know, we were up against a really wealthy candidate. My Republican opponent had put in um, over $250,000 of his own money into the race. They were lying about what the state auditor did. And now we see they're willing to cheat a little, too. So uh, I, I think it, it really shows just how important every single person who supported me was. Every single thing anybody did was absolutely essential this year. So they threw all that at us, and we still won. Uh, but it does really talk about the challenges of people who try to um, really take advantage of third parties that don't have the infrastructure to to, to fight off an attack like this. The uh, I I have to ask the question, and I don't know the law, and I'm not sure if you do as well. But it I do have to ask the question. I mean, if you know that Republicans donated to the campaign, and once again, anyone can donate to anyone. That's for sure. But then the money went to what seems to be a, a person with a lot of connections to the Republican Party, and that the flyers that they were putting out there had nothing to do with the pro-marijuana stances of the candidate, were more just attack ads for you. I, I almost kind of wondered, are we getting into some sort of realm of possibly breaking a state law at this point? Because there definitely seems to be a level of conspiracy that's going on here. Well, you know, I, I, I would be surprised if it broke a law. But you know what? I think we all know it doesn't smell right. Yeah. Right, the idea that you are using public subsidy, uh, something that's designed for regular people to run for office. You know, I'm a teacher. You know, a teacher like me doesn't get to be um, a statewide uh, official if you don't have programs like this. So it's really ironic to be funneling money from a regular person um, into kind of through a third party, effectively benefiting the wealthiest, the richest, can one of the richest candidates that ran last year. So there is something that feels really just abusive about that. Um, but it's, it's also interesting, too, I think, that, uh, you know, people thought they'd get away with this because typically you don't report um, donations that are smaller than $200. You know, the way you qualify for this public subsidy where you get some support to run the campaign is, by uh, collecting a certain amount of money in small donations. You have to get so many donations of, um, of first $50 donations, right? And so uh, what I thought was uh, interesting was on Tim Davis's last report, he, I don't know if he did this inadvertently, but he released his entire list of donors. And so I am absolutely sure that um, Representative Patty Anderson, you know, who is, by the way, uh, a former state auditor, or Representative Franson or Wiesenberg, I am pretty sure they thought that no one would ever know they did this. Well, but because he over-disclosed, all of these names came out. And, and so I think that does tell you, though, the importance of transparency and disclosure so people can see this kind of stuff. Uh, and and I would say also how, shows how important it is that you have parties that are really up to the task of running elections. If you can't get candidates, if you can't fend off manipulators, you know what? You really have to think, are you truly a major party?
Well, and and that's the thing is that they say, well, we don't like the duopoly of the two-party system, but how do you like being used to basically manipulate the two-party system into a one-party system? Because that's what kind of what has happening with the legal marijuana party. They're using them basically not to give a third party a voice, but basically to stymie the only other party that could stop the Republicans. And I and I think that that's, like I said, I, I, I agree with you. It, it sounds like he his disclosure left out too much information. And I've got to imagine this is a massive headache for the Republicans, especially as we get ready to debate legal marijuana, because there's a lot of Republicans. Republicans who are now on the record of actually supporting a legalizing marijuana candidate that they're now going to have to say, well, that was that was something different. Oh, a- absolutely. And, and you know, uh, uh, Tim Davis had four platform planks. Uh, they were um, environmental support, legalizing cannabis. And then um, it was also uh, a right to die and population reduction. So, you know, it, it's very unusual that some of these people's uh, uh, ideologies are so unaligned, but the idea that they would do anything to try to get their candidate through. And that's, that is what feels so kind of <laughs> icky about all of this, is that, you know, you're going to do something you don't believe in just so that you can push somebody um, and, and basically push somebody over the top to kind of pull money in, in, a, in the wrong direction. That's really, that, that's really cynical at best. Can, can you actually explain a little bit more on population reduction? <laughs> What's he yeah, I, don't, you know, I don't know. And that was something I'm not sure what that would have to do with the auditor. Um, I, I promise you that's not something that I work on. Uh, not, you're not you're not going out there. there. You know, OK, good. I want to make sure that's not is that it's not a bylaw or something we're missing here in the auditor's office. No, no, no. I think the, I think the, the joke we sometimes make is maybe I bore people to death. But I yeah. mean, nothing. I'm not wow. really trying to reduce the population. Julie, I'm going to tell you for the record, you're not boring anyone to death. I can tell you that <laughs> you're a hoot. Uh, OK. So population decreasing. Okay, and the Republicans were for this. Okay, great. The the pro-life party, you say. Great. All right. Um, Yeah, this is – it it is ugly, but once again, this is – it's same day, different story. The only reason these people didn't thought they would get away with it because they didn't realize that Tim Davis didn't understand that most people don't reveal who gave donations, smaller donations – you know, do you feel as if this bill that's going through the House and Senate right now would would change this, would at least make it a little bit more honest to prevent? I mean, I don't have any problem with third party candidates. Mm-hmm. I just don't like third party candidates who are basically clearly only being propped up to basically help only one party being one party rule. Oh, I, I agree. I'm a huge fan of third parties as well. I think that that, you know, the more ideas, the better. But, you know, the, the point of being a major party where you're going to be qualifying to use people's tax dollars to run. And remember that, you know, you have to be a major in a major party to qualify for the public subsidy. But, you know, that means you have a responsibility to use tax dollars fairly. And when you can't even keep um, uh, people from funneling uh, tax dollars into the wealthiest candidates, uh, you know, on your watch, then I don't think you're ready to assume that responsibility. You really need to have the infrastructure to be able to uh, to do this stuff right. Uh, and uh, and I tell you, I think five percent support. I don't know if that's enough. You know, ten percent if they want to move to. I think that makes a lot more sense. Again, you're still going to be able to have a, a number of parties can reach that if you are, you know, doing doing your work. Uh, you've got an issue that matters. You can get there, but you also then will have the infrastructure. Uh, to be able to protect yourself from being manipulated. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, right now, you don't want to see people doing this kind of stuff because it just, it just violates the public trust. And then you have fewer people wanting to be involved. 
And that's really ultimately dangerous. And especially a program that's designed to help regular people, not just rich people, be able to get into office. You really, it's really un-Minnesotan to abuse a program like that. So, you know what, I, I do support that bill to say, hey, you know what, we, we can support third parties, but you've got to be able to have at least 10% support to show that you've got the ability to actually be trusted with tax dollars. I, I do, if I, can, if I can say one thing here. Your opponent, after I got into the car accident in December, sent me a very nice basket, get well basket, which I was stunned by, but he did that. It was very nice of him. I did appreciate it. You know, I, I don't, I think sometimes in, and you can talk to this too, is sometimes the machinations of what go around the candidates is really kind of the, a lot of the obnoxious part. And you realize is that, you know, I don't think Ryan Wilson was controlling this and running this. I, it clearly sounds like some sort of machine that was going on there. When you think about all the stuff with the printing, the the, the connections to the, the, the guy that was doing the door knocking who had connections to Kistner down in two, you know, there, there seems to be machinations. You know, it, it, candidates, it is unfortunate because I think that sometimes you can have good candidates and decent people. And just because the machine as it is, is particularly with the Republican Party, when stuff like this comes to light, they all look bad. One, one challenge, I, you know, that I, that I wonder is one of the challenges about understanding that is my opponent, my Republican opponent, you know, he didn't fully really disclose very well on his reporting. So we can't see if he used that vendor um, like had happened in Angie Craig's race. And, and some of it is because he, um, since he gave $250,000, he did it in a way where he could hide what he spent the money on. And I think that also gets at that idea of this kind of reflexive approach Republicans have to not disclose uh, properly, to not be uh, forthcoming about what they're doing with their funds. And so, you know, again, I don't again, I don't think he's a bad guy, but, you know, I don't know. He can't we can't be sure that he wasn't involved with this because when he filled out his reports, he basically uh, for a quarter million dollars basically hit what he did with it. So, you know, I think that if there's, an, there's a really extensive problem right now, I think, that the Republicans need to root out about kind of bringing back some real integrity and just kind of decency to how they're running their campaigns. Uh, let's turn to the auditor. Since you've been auditor here, what's, what's uh, new been going on with the office? What have you guys been up to? Well, our focus right now uh, is uh, taking our data out to the people and asking for what they believe is going on with local government finance. You know, we take, uh, we make these big reports and all these wonderful graphs, but they don't mean anything until someone tells us the stories behind them. So we've been on a listening tour where we're talking to township clerks and we're talking to county commissioners and we're talking to uh, city staff and saying, all right, here's what we're seeing in our graphs. What does that mean in your world? And then what we do is we take all that feedback and give it back to the public so that you can kind of see what is going on in local government. And we're really starting to see some interesting ideas about how do people handle one-time money? How are people coming out of the pandemic? And what should that tell us about how do we handle future crises? Um, I think what we're noticing is that, you know, local governments did a lot of things really right um, with how they handled COVID uh, and, and keeping us out of economic freefall. But we need to kind of build some infrastructure around that so the next time we have a crisis, you know what, we're ready to, every, to use every resource we have available to us. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're doing. It's about basically listening and saying, hey, here's what the graphs say. What do they mean to you? Uh, which is exciting. Uh, now, again, I, I sometimes don't lead with the idea that, hey, we're going to bring a whole bunch of graphs to your town. That doesn't always get people. <laughs> we lead with listening. And that gets uh, a little bit more participation. Though I know that there are a bunch of your listeners that if I say, hey, I'm coming with spreadsheets, that they are absolutely there for that. Well, and, and one of the things that I think is is 
important to say about that is that this is the new world. And, and yeah, we've had pandemics in the past. We just have not had a major one until we had COVID. And so one of the things which I, I appreciate what your office is doing is within the fluidity of this situation and coming out of COVID, which is once again, to a point, a brand new experience for a lot of places, being on mm -hmm. the forefront to say, you know what, this town's doing it really well. Let's advise this other town. Here's what they've been doing. Give them a call, talk to them. They've got this figured out. Being a point person to, to help cities get through this um, is making sure they're doing things fiscally correctly. I, I think that that's I, that's a really big uh, uh, you know uh, accomplishment for you because that's I, I think that that shows me that you're looking at this as a continually fluid situation. Oh, and if, and when you're talking about what can bring people together, you know there are times when we it's, we have a hard time finding anything to agree on. Well, you know if we can at least start with the data, we start with the ideas like this is what happened, but what does it mean? We at least have some common place to start. So we have. You know, we have Republicans, Democrats, and Libertarians, and Pod Party candidates. Everybody shows up at these meetings. And it's just wonderful to be able to come together and, and have a conversation that's very concrete and very productive and fact-based mm. uh, to kind of, you know, show kind of what we hope we would like to see everywhere in mm. politics today. Where Any place particularly you've been driving around to? Well, right now we're going out to uh, Freeborn Township, and, uh, sorry, County, to meet with the townships that are in Freeborn County. Uh, so that's where I'm on the road right now. So we're on the way to Albert Lee. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's, it's those, kind of, those kind of meetings that are the best. And, uh, you know, I grew up, my mom was on a township uh, board, and that's what got me to first start thinking about what politics could do for people. Uh, and so I'm always a fan to go talk particularly to township people. Uh, because I'll tell you, you're you're not it doesn't get much more concrete than figuring out how to get a township road paved. <laughs> well, and of course, you get it down Berlin, you get to stop by the travel plaza down there. <laughs> well, yes, of course, yes, we will. Um, I got to get a snack and got to get. That's great stuff. Their, 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 their jerky <laughs> selection is uh, is pretty robust there, so <laughs> you're going to be set. I think I got a camouflage popcorn there once, which was. Um, a, a bold choice, I'll say. Oh, gosh. Bold choice. Yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> Julie Blaha, the state auditor on the road. Julie, first of all, thank you very much for coming in and commenting on the Minnesota Reformer story, as well as giving us an update on your office. And as always, Julie, you are always welcome to come on back anytime you want to, okay? Well, and I really appreciate that you tell the stories of all of us, not just the only the flashy stuff, but all the stuff that matters. So thank you so much for paying attention to our work.